Desire without a plan is just a dream that never gets achieved. I mean, we can have all of these kind of ideas, and yes, I want to do this, and yes, I want to be this, and yes, I want to see Christ, and yes, I want to know the power of resurrection. But a desire without a plan, without a way to pursue, it just remains a dream that we will never get to. You know, I'm really uh, I'm, I'm thankful for Matt Chandler again, because uh, he really helped me to put a bit of a concrete uh, structure to this study of this passage. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed but sometimes I can get a little bit nerdy in my study of the Bible. I, I don't know. You know. I remember one time Scott was telling me he was in the Bible, in a small group Bible study, and something came up, and one of the members said, Oh, oh, just a minute. And she digs around in her purse and digs out the sermon notes, and she's going through these sermon notes, and she says, Yeah, 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 a bunch of Alan Jones crap, a bunch of. Alan oh, here it is. This is what the important thing is. So I understand. So Matt Chandler helped me put this on the ground and, and put a bit of a structure to this. I mean, I'm going to put some nerdy stuff in there too. But, but it helped me to say, Look, you know. This has got to be stuff that we can do in our life. Because if it's just an idea, if there's not a concrete steps, solid things that we can do to pursue, then we'll never actually get there. Follow and pursue this knowledge and this intimacy with God himself. Gerald Hawthorne, in his commentary, he put it kind of a neat way. He put it this way. Christ is too great to be grasped in one lifetime. Christ is too great to be grasped in one lifetime. It's this whole thing that, that we pursue knowing Christ. We want to get to know him, but don't think you're going to get it in six months. And don't get discouraged when you've been at it for a mere 50 years. Where it's going to take all eternity to understand the full richness of Christ's love and grace and goodness to us. And so verse 15 says, listen, the definition of maturity it's not till we get to the place where we say that we know everything about Jesus. The measure of maturity is understanding that I get to pursue the knowledge of Christ for all eternity. And I'm in the business of following that pursuit. And so we're honest with where we're at with it. But we're not discouraged because we realize we have all eternity to get to know Jesus. Second thing. That doesn't mean we sit on our laurels. We have to expend some serious effort in telling this through. Did you notice the words that he used when he's talking about this? The first one he says is, listen, I press on. He says in verses 12 and verse 14. You know what that is? That's a word from hunting. It's hunting season. We understand that. You know, a bunch of people out there hunting. You've already done hunting. Some have got their animals. Some haven't got their animals. All this kind of thing. You're kind of ticked off that you're here sitting in church. You could be out hunting. It's a word. It's a hunting word. And this pressing on, it means to sort of a, it's a rapid pursuit of the game. I mean, now we shoot the suckers from 200 yards away or whatever it is. Then you're running after it with a spear. It's this pursuit of the game to press on. As a matter of fact, it can mean to hunt to the point of persecution. Imagine this, and we'll put this in your mind, that you go after God so much he feels persecuted by you. You know, I remember when I, one of the memories as I was working through this and this whole thing about pressing on and persecuting. I remember when Brian, my brother, Brian and I were young. Now, you mums understand this. When we were small, you know, mothers get constant harassment. You can't even go into the bathroom. And I can remember echoing in my mind of the times when my dad would get home from work and my mum would say, I'm persecuted to death with these two pieces. 
<laughs> because constant harassment of you know, is this constant going after, nagging, you know, can't even go to the washroom, can't get anything done anyone. And so the idea is that, listen, your pursuit of God should be such our times of prayer, our, our digging into the Word, our talking about Him with fellowship, whatever it is, our pursuit of God should be you know, like, God, I was like, I'm persecuted to death with these guys. Okay, there's this sense, you understand? It's this intensity of pursuit. And then this word for take hold. Just like it, it also is a pretty aggressive word. It's a word, actually, to tell you the truth, it's got quite a broad uh, breadth of meaning. It sort of means to get or to make one's own, to, to hold on to or to receive. But again, there's, there's an aggressive edge to it. It's like to seize it, to grab it. I mean, you've seen videos of attack dogs and all those sort of personal, you know, personal protection dogs. You know, get them, you know, and this, this dog will come and grab onto and not let go no matter how much you shake the sucker around your arm and all that stuff. That's the idea. It's that this, this aggressive taking hold of, to just go after it and to grab a hold of Jesus and to hold onto him with all of your might and all of your strength because that's going to set you up to achieve all these other pursuits that we have in the strength of God and in the way of God. And then finally he's got this one of to strain forward. He goes from hunting to running a race. Straining forward is, is just sort of that, that last-ditch effort that the runners throw to get to hit the tape first, right? To, to, to strain forward, to just leave everything behind. You know, one author whose name I forgot to write down, which is too bad because it's a great quote. He said it this way. Listen to this. When he's talking about those three ways in which we're to pursue Christ, the, the strenuous effort. In those words, the lungs burn, the temples pound, the muscles ache, the heart pumps, the perspiration rolls, all because we love Jesus. You get the intensity of it. Some of you are runners and you run races and so on and that pounding that happens and the, the exhaustion that comes at the end of the race to flop in bed at night because we have pursued God with such vigor that we're spiritually and maybe even physically exhausted. That kind of a pursuit takes planning and effort, not just dreams. But why on earth would we work so hard? Why would we make the pursuit of Jesus? I mean, if it takes that much effort, why? I mean, there's a lot of things that I could be pursuing. Why would I do this? Well, part of the reason is because as we come into Christ, all those other things about your relationships and your work and those other things you're pursuing, when we have Christ, they begin to take on a form and a shape that makes sense. But more importantly than that, it's this. Paul says, I remember that Christ took hold of me. What a marvelous motivator to pursue the God life is that Jesus seized you with an aggressive refusal to let go. All that aggressive pursuit you talked about, Jesus did for you. Jesus took you to himself and for you, his lungs burned. For you, his temples pounded. For you, his muscles ached. For you, his heart pumped. For you, his perspiration rolled. And he did that all on the cross because he loves you. And he desires you. And he took hold of you. And he called you. And he dwells within you. What a motivating 
reality, to, to think about God having that attitude and taking those attitudes and actions for you, for me. What a motivator to get to know him more fully. And so he goes on. The fourth step that we can do in, in, in pursuing Christ is to forget the past and anything that hinders that pursuit, verse 13. You know, there's all kinds of things that can hinder us from pursuing Christ in this way. The first thing I thought about is, is shame of the past. The truth is, every single one of us have done things that we, might, we sure hope nobody else finds out about this. But we know that God saw it. And sometimes, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, that wants to make us hide instead of pursue God. But thank God he comes and continues to pursue us. Alan, where are you? Oh, God, I did this and I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed to stand in front of you. I'm so ashamed I can't come before you. I'm so ashamed I don't want to read the Bible anymore. I'm so ashamed I don't want to gather and worship anymore. I'm so ashamed because I know what you know is in my heart and nobody else knows this, but I'm just scared to pursue you because I'm ashamed. And Paul says, listen, those things about which trap you and chain you in shame, this tyrant that can get a hold of your life, he said, you need to forget about that stuff. Because my blood has covered over and washed away that stuff forever. So let it go. As I studied the passage, it, you know, different authors reminded me that it's not just the shame that holds us past. And it seems to me that when I talk to people, it's mostly shame that holds people back. But, but sometimes it's our successes. Sometimes it's the sense that we've arrived. Sometimes it's the sense that we've got over this hump and now we just kind of want to rest on our laurels for a little bit and just, and just leave it for a bit because, you know, I've achieved this now. Again, Gerald Hawthorne, he said this. Listen, when Paul writes this, he wants to forget the past with all of its failures and successes. All those things that could paralyze him with guilt or impede him with pride. To not be so satisfied with the fact that we're over that hump, that we forget that we're to continue on pursuing Christ. So Paul says, all of that, leave it behind. Don't let it hinder you. Don't get trapped in guilt and shame and don't get trapped in self-satisfaction. Have this honest self-evaluation. And then he says, listen, I'll tell you the other thing you need to do if you're really going to pursue Christ is you need to avoid unnecessary conflict. We know this in every other relationship, right? I mean, if there are things that we don't let go of in our friendships or in our marriages or in our workplaces, if there aren't some things that aren't important and we just say, you know what, that kind of drives me crazy, but I'm going to let that go. If we let that become this huge thing that we're going over and over and over and over again, it's the destruction of the relationship, isn't it? We know this. Same thing is true in our pursuit of Christ. We can get so bound up in unnecessary conflict and so, yeah, we need to talk about it and work these things through. That's what Paul says. Listen, you know, the mature people, we understand this. But if you don't get this, if you don't agree with me on this, then you know what we're going to do? We're just going to pray about it and God will show us the right way. If it's not to do with eternal salvation, it's not worth destroying the unity of the church and the dropping and destruction of relationships. 
What is worth destroying your friendship? What is worth destroying your marriage? What is worth destroying the unity in the church? How much energy should I put into getting worked up about things that kind of irritate me versus getting to know Christ more fully? And so we, we avoid unnecessary conflict. Then in verse 16 he says, listen, I'll tell you what else you need to do. You need to apply what you already know. That's what that live up to what we've already achieved means. It means, listen, you've got you to apply in your life the things that you already know is happening. You know, some of us, we're, we're always wanting a fresh word from the Lord, whether it's in the Bible or a prophet to speak to us or whatever the case. You know, we're always after that new thing. And it's good to do a new thing, except for when we forget the stuff that we're supposed to be living out, not just knowing. I was con- <laughs> confronted with this just this morning. It's just, it's just the craziest thing. In my morning devotions today, it's always rough. You know, you get there, you have my coffee with Jesus in the morning, and he always gets me when I'm weak, you know, not really expecting it yet. And I, you know, I've been doing the one-year Bible for, pff, I don't know how many years now. And this time, you know, he hits me up with Proverbs. Has an Old Testament reading, New Testament reading, a psalm, and a proverb. And here's what the proverb says. 27.4. Anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming. Now, I've told you guys before that in my history, that like anger was, a, was a, a big deal for me. Like a big deal. Like wrecked lots of relationships, hurts lots of people, all this kind of stuff. And God, you know, has helped me a lot with that. So I'm, you know, feeling pretty good about that. You know, I have hurt people in the past, but you know what? I'm going to leave behind the things that are entangled. And then because this. I mean, that stuff's bad. Anger and fury, that's bad stuff. But you know what's worse? Who can stand before jealousy? Well, first, you know, off the hook there, jealous. I mean, it's right there in the Ten Commandments. It's pretty basic. Oh, yeah? How about jealousy that's not necessarily, you know, destructive to other people? How about, man, I wish I could go on vacation like those guys go on vacation. Man, that'd be fun. How about, stinking brother's got a pension when he retires. A pension. You see, all that jealousy does is make you dissatisfied with what you've got and where you're going. Doesn't help anything. And it's basic. And it's fundamental. How, I want you to really put up your hand. How many know in your mind that jealousy is bad? I'm shocked. Everybody knows. <laughs> and how many are like me? that I don't live up to what I've already attained. If I stop and I think, man, it's a basic. And if I want to pursue Christ, yeah, it's good that I want to keep learning new things. It's good I want to dive more and more into the Word. It's good. All those things are good. But boy, I better not forget the basics. So in your pursuit of Christ, God has laid on your heart stuff that he's dealt with in your life. Don't forget it. Don't fall into that trap again. Next, be mindful of comrades who you hang out with. Search out the good and weep for the bad. Be mindful of your comrades. Search out the good, weep for the bad. You see, what, what, what Paul wants us to understand is that, is that uh, discipleship or pursuing Christ requires mentorship. 
We learn how to pursue Christ. We learn who God is through observation, imitation, and interaction. Really, think about it, right? That's how we do it. It's it's through observation, seeing people that, man, you know, I look at how God has helped them in this marriage. I look at how God has helped them in this friendship. I look at how God has helped them get through this financial difficulty. I look at how this person deals spiritually with the illness that they're facing. And, And so we can imitate that. We can begin to learn. Well, you know what? If they can do it, I can do it. An interaction. How in the world do they do that? Can you tell me how to handle my money better? Can you help me how to to be a better boss? Man, you're an incredible employee. How how do you do that? You're the best friend I've ever seen. What what is it in your life that helps you? Man, the way in which you pray and hear from the Spirit, I just want that so much. I'm kind of jealous in a good way. Can Can you show me how? Can you teach me how? You see, as we talked about, you need to seek out mentors. And we talked about that last time, didn't we? Where we asked for, for a specific thing for a specific time. We, we did this whole, this whole thing. But notice he says, listen, he calls them brothers and sisters. You know why? Because he's trying to say that, look, this whole mentorship thing and this imitation thing, there's an equality to it as well. It's not like there's some people who are like so many miles ahead of us that, like Paul, I, I'll never get there. No, there's an equality because where you're strong, I'm weak. Where I'm strong, you're weak. And we work together on those things. But he says, but watch out for the other side. There are enemies of the cross. Big, huge debate. Who are the enemies of the cross? With this God is their stomach and so on. So some people say, well, you know, those are these Judaizers that want them to get circumcised. And they've got to keep the dietary laws. And then Kohik says, no, we've got to remember that these are Gentile people. And if you were a Gentile and you were working, you were part of a guild, like a silversmith's guild or whatever. And you'd have to go to these feasts. And at these feasts, they'd always start off with a bit of a sacrifice to their god of the silversmiths or the laundresses or whatever it is that they were. And, and other people say, no, 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 this is, this is, these are people who began to follow Christ. But then they realize that, man, it's kind of a shameful, crazy thing to follow a god who's crucified. It's kind of a shameful thing to think that the best expression of your faith is to serve somebody else, to give up your rights to consider somebody else is more important than yourself. That's a shameful thing. You become ashamed of the cross and all that it means. Whatever the case, I mean, you can go back and forth. It could be one or all of the rest. But the point is this. There are some people that want to disciple you in the wrong way. And it can be quite enticing. Because it's kind of the way that we might be you know, kind of drawn towards. And so he's saying, watch out for the people that want to disciple you that way. And it's not that you hate them. It's not that you look down upon them. It's not that you, you feel superior to them. No, no, you weep for them. I don't do very well at that. I mostly get ticked off. No, his heart breaks for those who are discipling people in the wrong way. He says, but, but watch out for them. You can't let them do that to you. Instead, Find comradeship that leads you towards Christ. Number eight, set your sights on heaven. Live as a citizen of heaven. Things can become so distracting down here, the teachings of the enemies of the cross. And he's saying, look, what you've got to do is to keep the big picture in mind. The return of Christ is coming. 
Jesus, the Savior, is coming back to earth. It's been a few thousand years, and we begin to sometimes wonder, man, when's it going to happen? Because things are a mess down here. Whatever the case may be, but the Savior is returning. He is coming back for you. And all of that pounding of the temple and all of that heavy breathing and all of that perspiration that he spent on you is going to become fulfilled. And all the effort that you put in is going to be found in all this glory when you see his face. This Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to establish the new creation. And our bodies are going to be resurrected, and we're going to get these new resurrection bodies. Thank God. And it's the same word that back in chapter 1, verse 7, he talked about when Christ took on our bodies, our shape, our form. You are going to take on the form, the shape of Christ's body, that glorious body suited for new creation. And I think it's going to be cool to walk through wars like he did if he did at that time. I don't know how that all works. But he says, listen, you can get so trapped up in this world and the things of this world, pursuing good things, pursuing bad things, whatever the case may be. But what you need to do if you're going to pursue Christ is to remember that we are citizens of heaven. And that means that we're not just waiting for that time when Christ returns, but we live the kingdom of God right now because, you see, heaven is wherever God is and God's rule is. That's why Jesus said, you know, thy kingdom come, pray this, thy kingdom come. Because the whole idea is that we are citizens of heaven. And what God says is you live right now in the new creation. You live your life right now before the living God. You live it now. And if you want a hint of how to do that, it's very simple. You take from now till December 31st. And every day, read Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Because that's our constitution for the kingdom living. And you figure out how to live out that life. Because that's what it is to live in this kingdom of heaven. Blessed are we poor in spirit. If somebody asks you for a coat, give them your shirt too. If somebody hits you on the one cheek, turn the other cheek. Da, 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 da. We live in heaven. Number nine. Don't back down. Chapter 1, verse 1. Therefore, in the conclusion of all this, brothers and sisters, whom I love, my joy, my crown, stand firm. That's our old friend from chapter 1, verse 27. It's a military word. It means don't abandon the post. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't back down. Because there are times in your life and your pursuit of God is going to cost you might cost you your pride, might cost you your reputation, might cost you your job, might cost you some relationships, because you're pursuing God, pursuing the God life with everything that you have, and you don't back down. Let me add a number 10 that's not in the text. And this is one of the things I stole from Chandler. We've got all of these things of how to pursue the God life because if you pursue the God life, all these other things that we worry about and wonder about and how do we handle, all that gets sorted out when we're pursuing God. It really does. But this idea of pursuing God, he said, unless, unless you answer this question, how and when, it just remains a dream that just becomes a frustration. So as we've gone through these nine things, maybe there's one or two of them that the Holy Spirit just sort of gave you a little tweak. Hey, hey, 
Here's something that you could do. Here's something you should do. Here's something you should start doing. You know, just one or, one or two of those things. So what I want to do is just give us a couple of minutes to pray and to just ask the Holy Spirit, of these things of how to pursue you, can you, what's one or two that over the next month I can put my time and energy into? And then say, well, how am I going to do that? How am I going to find a mentor? How am I going to live up to dealing with jealousy? How am I going to grab a hold of Christ and not let, how am I going to do that? And then, when am I going to do it? What, what time in my day? What time in my week? When am I going to put some time and energy in that? I mean, because it gets, man, I mean, you know, just like you guys have seen those uh, ads for the, talk about jealousy, those ads for the Viking cruisers. You watch PBS? Do you see that? I, oh, yeah. <laughs> and in the ad, he starts off by saying, there's only one precious commodity, and that's time. That's right, because we're all going to die. So time is tough. So you've got to figure out how I'm going to do one, of these, one or two of these things. And when am I going to apply myself to doing it? So let's pray and just invite the Spirit to just, you know, just pull on that heartstring. What's one or two that he says, you know, as you self-evaluate, maybe it is self-evaluation. Just do this, okay? How am I going to do it? And when am I going to do it? Let's pray. And so, Holy Spirit, uh, you know, we're here because we want to see Jesus. We really do. That's our heart's desire. But we get distracted for all kinds of reasons. And so, and so we need you to help us. And so just for each one of us, it's a great thing about you, God, is that you, you, are, you care for us individually. It's amazing. So just kind of pull on a heartstring for me right now. What is it that I need to do? How will I do it? And when will I do it? And so the Holy Spirit, some of us are kind of used to stopping and listening and hearing from you. And, and, and maybe we've got a word from you already. Some of us are maybe not so used to it. More used to speaking than listening. And so we ask for those of us who are in that spot to don't let us go. Just, you know, maybe through the next songs or whatever, just, just pull that heartstring. What is it that this week you want us to pay attention to and apply in your strength? And how am I going to pursue it in a concrete way? And when am I going to do it? We pray through Christ. Amen.